Lolly Bananas are a great example. It's the, um, I think it's four vinyl guinol is the, Pete, correct me on that. Is that the banana ester, the banana ester from yeast? Oh uh, yeah, like I'm 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 Beaker, not Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. <laughs> oh no, well no, no. <laughs> Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and proud sponsors of Brews News. And in particular, Brews News Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum. Welcome back. And it gives me great pleasure to introduce co-hosting this week from our Brisbane studios, Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. G'day, Pete. How are you? So I'll lean in because uh, we're, we're sharing a mic up here. Uh, so hey. it's not you and me. But Wait we... a minute. What's going on? This uh, uh, Is this a change to our scheduled broadcasting? Uh, this wasn't in the brochure or in the uh, in the in rehearsal? Have we got somebody else there as well? We, we do, and it's not <laughs> and, it, and it, it, it's not a lovely uh, Yorkshire lass. No, it is, in fact, Jimmy Gold. G'day, Jimmy. G'day, Pete. G'day, Matt. Mate, well done. Um, welcome aboard the uh, this thing that we call... Brews News, the Radio Brews News Network. Um, we spoke to you, or Matt spoke to you, uh, did a, a beer as a conversation with you last month, and fair to say it was very well received. Um, I don't know, we, we need to be tread carefully a little bit because if we're not careful, uh, people are going to start getting the impression that uh, responsible use of, um, uh, of imbibing beer is actually part, can be part of a healthy lifestyle, and you're, uh, you're proving that in a big way. Yep, yep, sure am. But it's all a part of, uh, Pete, you know, we, we did have a great response um, to having Jimmy. We had a great response to having Claire on as well. But, you know, we are the Statler and Waldorf of beer. Um, but even the Muppets had Elmo. Um, and even the Muppets had uh, Scooter. Oh, okay. no, yeah, I was just going to be careful where you go with this. Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no, my no. God. Does that mean when we get something? Charlie Bamforth on, he'll be Dr. Bunsen Honeydew? <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's just uh, very, very conscious um, that, you know, you and I have a um, perspective. A lot of our conversations, um, you know, start with back in my day um, or the equivalent. And uh, yeah, so, you know, we, we did have a great response to having Jimmy on. Uh, his perspective is very different um, to ours. Claire is the person who goes out and gets sort of news. So, and also you and I aren't always available, um, you know, through technical glitches or travel and things like that. So just so the squirrel, it's all part of keeping the squirrel on the um not on the Ferris wheel, on the squirrel wheel. Um, when have we upgraded from a hamster, have we? Uh, hamster, oh, squirrel, yeah, probably. Who puts a squirrel <laughs> in a hamster wheel? Jeez, I'm glad you're here, Jimmy. Save yeah, this well, thing, mate. We don't even have squirrels in Australia, do we? You can see, you can see why we're trying to just quietly slide him out. Um, well, thanks very much for joining us, Jimmy. It's great to have you aboard, and uh, as I say, welcome to the uh, the Bruise News family. Thank you, Matt. This is probably not a memory for you, but yeah, you know, can can you remember when you were pregnant? And by you, I mean, yeah, the royal you as a, you know, as a family, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't recall, and my eldest is, uh, youngest, sorry, is 14 now, so it's been a while since, uh, since we went through all that. Um, we were probably, I don't know whether we're just normal or whether we're extraordinary, but we were very much aware of things that you should drink, things that you shouldn't drink, that sort of thing. Uh, I can understand that that's perhaps not um, a mandatory thing, or perhaps it's not as widespread. You know, common sense isn't as common as perhaps it, it could be. Do we really need to be taking up more and more real estate on cans of beer and bottles of beer and other alcohol to warn people about 
the dangers of drinking while pregnant. Oh, mate, absolutely. And this is one of those issues that you don't want to diminish in any way because, uh, you know, fetal alcohol syndrome is absolutely an issue. Um, and there needs to be education around it and, uh, you know, there needs to be preventative measures around it. Um, but the, the, the feedback, the, um, you know, observation seems to be that warning labels on a can of beer isn't the thing that's going to do it because there is such an awareness in the community around um, the, the, the issues and drinking when you're pregnant that there it, 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 it's not an educational campaign. There are other um, interventions that, that need to take place, um, you know, to, if, to, if you've already yeah, if you've already picked up the can to the point where you can look at the label, you've already made the decision to purchase that alcohol. Oh, not, not even that. Like you know, there, there's a whole lot of issues going on in society. Um, you know, I, um, and and I don't want to sort of even label them because you know, as soon as you label it, you diminish it. But education and awareness doesn't tend to be the problem. It, it tends to be people who uh, need support in other ways who drink um whilst pregnant and putting for, for, for people in that category putting labels on a can of beer isn't going to make them second guess their choices you know it, it's to, to take your point you know when uh, my kids were um when we were sort of planning a family and you know we'd started considering our diet and our lifestyle choices before conception um and then it was really only an issue you know Alcohol was just automatically something that uh, my uh, wife didn't consume, and it was then a whole lot of questions. Well, I can't have sushi, I can't have soft um, cheeses, I cheeses, can't have cured yeah. meats, and those sorts of things. Um, were the information, and 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 so labelling alcohol isn't to the problem. I can't speak as an expert, but from the feedback, the um, you know submissions that were made, it's not a solution to the problem. And then you sort of look at why have certain groups been pushing so hard for these labels? And when you look at the label that's been accepted, um, you could almost take the pregnancy symbol off and it is a general warning about alcohol, which is what they want. And I I think um, because no one is going to argue against warnings for drinking while pregnant and then it comes down to how you do it it's it's the thin edge of the wedge that enables um the the fairs and the anti-alcohol lobby to get a de facto general warning a la cigarettes onto alcohol that they can gradually you know start building onto um and you know i've got mixed feelings about it Absolutely, as we've been talking about on the podcast, we need more and more awareness about the problems of alcohol. But doing it by stealth and doing it in this way, I don't know, is actually addressing any of the issues that other elements of the um, alcohol discussion are much more effectively talking about uh, you know, lifestyle choices. Yeah, and you're certainly not punishing um, the wrongdoers by... Uh, Increasing, and, and we should point out we, we we are referring to the story that Claire published during the week. Um, that it's believed that the cost to um, producers is going to be upwards of a hundred million dollars um, for for the new uh, you know approved 
labeling system which includes um the use of the color red instead of the specific pantone 485 red color for that you know the circle with the the strike through do not or um and revising the warning statement uh to quote alcohol can cause lifelong harm to your baby instead of any amount of alcohol can harm your baby and a minimum label size specified for different beverage volumes and types of packaging um, for 200 mils or less the pictogram only is required so it's not saying that you know this is going to be a catch-all it just seems to be i don't know a bureaucrat trying to justify their job well it's not to me it's, it's a little sort of bit bureaucrat when you've got a very vocal lobby on one side of the debate and You've got businesses, um, you know, so you've got the, the Brewers Association, you've got the IBA, you've got businesses who have their own perspective on the, on, on the other. Um, you've got bureaucrats in the middle who are trying to appease everybody and come out of it not getting flogged. It, it just strikes me, though, as a sort of thing that when somebody, whoever brought this to the attention of the bureaucrats, the bureaucrats turn around and say, we've already got that label and it, and it, and it works. Yeah, and look, Peter Philp, had the most reason from from the IBA, who's the the, the new chair, the of new the chair IBA, of the IBA, yep, um, made a really and it, look, it was something that I just thought, yeah, actually that's a really good point um, during the week, uh, and that was the label that they've come up with actually is so dominating that it takes away from any of the other messaging on 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 the packaging. So you know the the standard drinks the um, alcohol level all of those things that people should also be taking in you know if if you're actually looking at informing people about their choices and informing people about the product well you've got one warning that again like i i, I think that we can agree that it's not going to stop anyone from drinking and that it's essentially a redundant label in a lot of ways but that one redundant label is actually going to diminish any other informational um, awareness information you know um, you know health awareness information on the label and that's not necessarily a good thing and about jimmy what do you what do you think yeah i mean uh, i guess i stand with you matt with someone's going to decide if they're going to drink while they're pregnant right like a little label isn't going to stop them from doing that um and it costs at the cost of what it's going to take to change every single you know package of beer in the country is is crazy and it's insane. But I, I don't know. I think this would probably be backed up. I'm not sure what they're doing on the other side of it, but you know, proper education and information around alcohol and you know um, what it does to your body and what it can do to your body while you're pregnant, etc., is probably more beneficial than a tiny little label on the package of a can of beer or whatever. Um, yeah. Well, Jimmy, your, your background too, as well in, in retail side of beer. And I'm, I sort of thought, Hey, I'll throw this to you. But then I'm thinking you probably didn't like you, you would have done some takeaway sales and, and that sort of thing. But I would imagine if you're working in a brewery that has a tap room or you're working in a, a bar that has a, you know, a, an array of, of taps, these labels aren't required to be on the, on the tap deck or yeah, and the, presumably, the yeah, the staff aren't saying as they hand over each beer, um, oh, you know, by the way, if you don't mind me asking, are you pregnant? Yeah, there's actually in when you do your RSA, your responsible service of alcohol, you're you're basically taught to you're not allowed to say anything regarding pregnancy. So if a pregnant woman comes up and orders a pint of beer, you you can't say anything to that person. You're right. You've you hit the nail on the head. You can't you can't ask. You can't um, ask. You can't assume. Um, <laughs> 
and you can't be judgmental. So, yeah, I mean, that's the that's the thing. So you can't. So, so how do we get around not having to have it, it? We've got to have those labels on packaged beer only. Are we just ignoring tap decals, or is that just a just real estate that? Yeah, well, we, we, there's not much we can do with that. I'm sure they'll be campaigning for that next Pete, and, and that's the thing. It's it's the thin edge of the wedge. Um, it, it's it's they've they've had a win, and it just it, a little bit like ABAC. They have a win on one element, and then they start hammering that uh, to the next element. The the thing for me, Pete, and it, because we absolutely do need to be very conscious of the health impacts of alcohol across the board. I, I'm I'm all for that, but. If you read any of the news headlines at the moment about cultural changes that are taking place in society, people are becoming much more aware. You know, people generally, um, I'm sure there are seg- segments of the community that aren't, but people generally are becoming much more health conscious. And Jimmy's a great example of that. Um, and you know, as are a lot of people, they're drinking less. They're much more aware of it. It's actually giving rise to new categories of products that you know are alcohol-free. Um, the, the 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 thing that will always upset me about the um yeah what, what are they the foundation for alcohol research and education it is they should be a double a in the middle because they're anti-alcohol none of their research none of their education deals with um the responsible consumption of alcohol everything comes out wanting to set limits to no alcohol consumption is safe um, which I understand actually isn't a um, credible uh, finding, and I'd like someone to point point it to me if if, if there is. It's there's a whole lot of epidemiological uh, research that you really need to pick certain findings from the overall research to come up with that conclusion, and yet the anti-alcohol lobby aren't seeking to educate. They're not seeking to find moderate behavior they are only arguing against behavior um, and whenever you see that in you know, any form of um, educational campaign it, it ends up being very anti you know, anti-productive or anti uh, you, know, you end up with a unintended consequence from it yeah but look red thoughts into green thoughts if you do have to uh, go out and change some of your labeling call Rellings label stickers and packaging on 1300 852 235 and i'm sure they'll be able to look after you with putting a great big giant um don't drink while you're pregnant label on your beers thanks to the team at uh, Rellings because yeah the, and uh, as i said last week they 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 don't you're not buying a machine so it's not like buying you get the really cheap discount on the razor and then really expensive razor blades they take care of it all for you. So they'll do the printing, they'll hold onto the cans until you're ready to fill them. That's it. Thanks very much to Rellings Label Stickers and Packaging. The guys there are terrific and great supporters of this and make it all possible. Let's get into uh, the nitty gritty. Um, my brother-in-law who uh, works at Melbourne University flicked me a, an article during the week and he often comes across these sort of you know scientific uh, journal articles and whenever something uh, comes up with beer that he thinks might be of interest he, he flicks it my way this one i thought was particularly interesting and i believe that um claire might actually be delving as we speak into um creating a, a story out of this um the enos that can identify beer quality yeah mate, this was a great find thank you for sharing it and claire's actually taken the media release and done some really interesting uh, chats with them so a team of researchers from the University of Melbourne have developed an electronic nose for craft brewers to determine beer quality as the growing industry strives for greater quality and control measures. Um, now, I'll refer everybody because as we record the podcast, the story isn't actually published, so you guys don't have the ability to 
um, read it. But so, so they, they've got a set of uh, parameters um, that can sort of tell you the the, the level of alcohol um, and then a whole lot of compounds that come off it. Um, so for brewers, um, you can sort of just get a very scientific reading of the analysis of what's coming off the, the your beer. Yeah, because when I was reading this, Matt, I did think um, that it was oh, – quality, That's is that a bit of clickbait? Is it like how could you determine quality? But the electronic nose apparently has the ability to pick up – like it, it can detect um, recognisable off flavours. So presumably it wouldn't detect, oh, hang on, this is – I can smell Brett. Um, if you're holding it over a glass of wine, well, then that would be good. Brett's say, oh. a yeast, but if if Brett creates a compound, I think it's a, a mass, compound that's yeah, yeah, I think it's a mass spectrometer that, that analyzes the compounds, and so it can give you a spike. So it can measure things like it's calibrated to measure volatiles, um, you know, gases such as carbon dioxide, ethanol, methane, um, uh, hydrogen, hydrogen sulfide, carbon monoxide, ammonia, and benzene, um, all of which can affect the beer quality. So you can test those physical elements to it but the thing that i found really interesting was they've it's also hooked up to biometric indicators um such as the heart rate body temperature brain waves and facial expressions to gather more information um and the researchers uh, from la law by professor fuentes said those physiological changes are an unconscious response. So they're basically what we have imprinted through, throughout evolution. Our relationship with food and beverage is ancient, since before language even. And so they're looking at these non-verbal cues for beer quality, which I just find fascinating. And it does go to that point that we often talk about it, that it's beer is such a it's so subjective it's so personal and it it, it is actually it, it is a whole body experience and i i know if you're and, and this having judged quite a bit now you look across at somebody and um you know you, you're sort of you're having a sip and you, you catch somebody else's eye and they're kind of giving it a bit of stink face it it you know it that's a very um strong cue that that person in particular or you know you might just be sitting in a pub and you and you look over at somebody and, and they're sort of you know leaning back and they have a sip of a beer or whatever and and the face just lights up you go oh i want to know what he's drinking or she's drinking it also sounds like a great tool for brewers i mean if you are particularly sort of sensitive or non-sensitive to compounds and things it's a good sort of reference piece to play back off of if you were testing you know a new beer or whatever if you could plug it into the e-nose, then, uh, you know, you've all, almost got a perfect sensory, you know, companion right there in your brewery. Yeah, good point. Because two things with that, Jimmy. One is that uh, a lot of brewers will will sort of admit to getting a little bit of house blindness um, and, and a, you know... A, House flavour might develop over over various batches because the brewers are are not you know in tune to a particular flavour. I'm personally I'm I'm very super sensitive to to DMS to di, uh, sorry to diacetyl, but I'm almost deaf to to DMS. I it's got to be really overwhelming before I'll smell that. But diacetyl I'll smell it a mile off. So yeah, for some some brewers will tend to sort of um, perhaps miss some of those or yeah. Um, not detect them to the same levels as, as others would. Mate, do you reckon it could become like a judging panel's, uh, you know, the AIBAs? <laughs> it, it, it could beat be a little the, bit like the, um, the tennis where, you know, you, you could sort of call for the electric eye. What, what do they call the um, <laughs> one brewer calling, oh, look, I'm picking up DMS. And the other going, I don't get any of that. Oh, let, let's go to the uh, <laughs> Let's go to the video. <laughs> yeah, so, and we'll have a little snicker. Yeah, they will so, so, yep. call for the DRS. 
absolutely. There is the MSS. That, table, that table's only got one. Um, that, that table's got only got one review left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's and hope they're successful. The, the thing for me, though, Pete, and this is where it starts to get a little bit frightening. Um, and and just taking a step back into one of the things that. I love about the idea of you know this old notion of craft beer is where it's the, the the craft of brewing where it's a person using natural ingredients to create something um, that gives them pleasure and they think will give others pleasure, which is a very um, you know doing it by field, you know that really really old style of doing. Um, you know, the, the genuine craft before you start getting the labs and things like that in um, to really isolate it because then you can start, you know, once you've got the, the, the science and you've got these things that have made beer so much better, but there is also a crossover point for my thinking where when you've got the labs and you can start analysing and you can start doing things, you know, you sort of start realising that, you know, bitterness is a prob- is, is an issue in beer. So we can do these things to really lower the bitterness and still get the alcohol and, you know, make beers easier to drink. I've always had this feeling that one of the self-regulating elements of alcohol is that because alcohol comes from essentially food spoilage, that in its natural form, it is almost a little bit self-limiting. And the more you refine the product that contains alcohol to make it easy to drink, that's when we start getting, you know, do you, do you really want alcohol to be too easy to drink because of the, the, the negative perspectives? So I, I've, I've always sort of trying to, you know, mulling over where on the continuum something like beer should be. It should always have a fermented character and a little bit of that flavor that's pleasant and refreshing but never but a bit of a built-in speed bump. A, bit, a speed bump is a, is a term that I've used in the past. Yeah, absolutely. It, it just slows you down a little bit. Um, so one of the things about this, uh, the, the future research that they're working on is our new project is assessing beer's effect on happiness. There's a compound called hordenine, which is an alkaloid that comes from barley grains, which has been shown to significantly contribute to the mood-elevating effects of beer. So it's not just alcohol making you feel happy. Um, and I sort of think, well, oh, geez, you know, once we've, once we've got to the stage that we're not just going, well, just because I'm a brewer through feel, this beer makes people feel happy and I'm not quite sure what it is. Once you isolate this um, alkaloid in it and you can really amp up the alkaloid to make you feel happy, you can then start tweaking people's mood, um, and you know, such is the concerns about that. That that's one of the things that you can't talk about when you advertise beer. Yeah, it's still all about balance, though, Matt. So you know, alcohol is a depressant, and this alkaloid in in beer in barley is a, a stimulant. So is it is it all about balance? If we get you know just right. Yeah, I mean, like, absolutely. I think there is something really rewarding and, you know, the, the effects of alcohol are, you know, they're quite enjoyable as long as it's in moderation and, you know, balanced with lifestyle and diet and everything else. I feel like I'm the health and wellness corner. If Bruce oh, no, News, no, was, no, a, no. If Bruce well, News well, was a printed, uh, I'd have the little health and wellness, the, you know, Jim's kale. But it's not actually that. It's the reason that we uh, sort of really enjoyed the beer of the conversation with you is because 
Um, again, so as a 30-year-old, Pete and I are both uh, on the wrong side of 50. That 20 intervening years has seen craft beer basically become a thing. Um, so, you know, you were 10 when Little Creatures uh, launched, essentially. Yeah. So um, you're probably still enjoying the Alan Border ads on TV? No. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, and, but <laughs> consequently, you come at it from a different perspective that, that you because you're a native in, in a different mindset than, than we do. So it's not actually looking for you to be the healthy guy. Yeah. But the, the reason that you have a perspective about alcohol tends to be for a different reason. But uh, one of the books I've spoken about that I highly recommend, and we should probably put an Amazon link so we can get some uh, you know cash back for, for the recommendation. Um, but there's a book called The Dorito Effect. And what it talks about is that we've become so good at understanding the chemicals that give food flavor that you don't even need the flavor. So we have um, identified what flavor, you know, what naturally occurring flavors occur in strawberries that give something a strawberry flavor. So we can actually isolate those. And um, lolly bananas are a great example. It's the, um, I think it's four vinyl guanol is the, Pete, correct me on that, is that? The banana ester, the banana ester from yeast. Oh uh, yeah, like I'm 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 Beaker, not Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. <laughs> oh no, well no no. I, I, <laughs> well, as a beer judge, I, I'm pretty sure that that's you know that, that banana, um, you know the, the banana ester is. I think it's yeah. We just call it banana wine. lolly. Okay, the banana table, lolly. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay. well, well, but it's it's called banana, banana lolly because they use it's a naturally occurring ester that yeast creates, and certain yeast create more of it once. You know the um, white-suited uh, you know, lab boffins were able to isolate. Well, this is where it is. They were able to, you know, naturally flavour lolly bananas with, and so they they harvested off yeast and flavour lolly bananas. Um, but the thing about that is, is with you know lolly strawberries and all of these lollies, we have been told this is strawberry flavour, and so the flavour we've become so good at replicating the essence of some of these fruits that the fruit itself becomes disappointing because we're told that strawberry flavoring is sweet and you know like a really fresh hand-picked strawberry can be but strawberries aren't always that sweet and apples can be tart um, and you know we, we mimic these things so the actual thing becomes a little bit disappointing um, we, and that's one of the things that uh, food scientists are now starting to worry that is leading to um, obesity because we're not eating the fresh versions. We're going. You don't. Have, yeah, you don't have to eat strawberries anymore to taste strawberry flavour. Whereas that used to be the only way you could get strawberry flavour. Well, because as these scientists said, you know, flavour. We, we, we've evolved, and our taste buds. Um, Sweet and salt are our taste buds telling us what we actually want to eat. Um, and uh, sour and bitter was a way of warning us that this could be poisoned. So we we, we have developed pleasure you know, pleasure experiences around something that we've evolved to do. And aromas, you know, the, the aroma of alcohol and the, the the bloom that comes off fermentation was a trigger to tell us downwind of us. Um, oh, sorry, up, upwind of us is fresh fruit. Um, and so we're hardwired with these compounds. And the more that we're able to isolate out 
one and separate it from something else, there is potentially a whole lot of downstream issues that can lead us. You know, if if we can make alcohol make us happier um, because we've zeroed in on this one thing, then that can actually have some really negative benefits. Um, and uh, as Maxwell Smart said, you know, if only he'd used his power for goodness <laughs> instead of evil. And there is, Jimmy, is that a, do you know who Maxwell Smart is? Uh Sort of. <laughs> that's, what we, that's what I'm talking about. Also, it's to, been to, it's been yeah, it's been syndicated for decades. So to uh, to add on to that, I mean, it's you know, it begs the question: how far off are we from getting beer flavored vodka, or you know, like a, a yeah, a beer flavored seltzer or something like that? But I don't know. I, I think you know, eating an actual banana is so much more satiating and rewarding than eating a lolly banana. Um, but that's what they say. But sorry, and, and that's a really yeah. good, but just before we move on from that, that's the point, is yeah. that because a banana has all of the other elements in it, yeah. not just the banana and then fat and things. So if you eat banana, like um, Doritos is a great example. They are designed not to be satiating. Yeah, and yet they've got all these flavor cues that give you the pleasure that the thing that actually satiates. So you just keep eating and eating and eating and eating. Yeah. Whereas a banana will actually satiate you. Yeah, it's also I always find um, back to that original point. Sometimes it's the imperfections in beer that make it so good. Sometimes it is a little bit of too much diacetyl or whatever the case is. It's you know I don't think beer should be this perfect execution i think you know that a part of that handcrafted you know expression of the brewer and you know expression of the ingredients they're using in the processes you kind of want a little bit of you know it's the same with music or food or anything you know some some of the best songs are slightly out of tune or you know in a weird (laughs) key or you know as um and you know same with food it's it's a bit of a line that they stride that's what makes things really really great i find so yeah the more yeah we we'll look forward into, to yeah, yeah to, to reading clear story once it's uh, once it's published but it, and it, i think the one big benefit that i could see um reading the, the 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 original story the scientific bit was that um if we can identify things that for example um uh, the potential for re-fermentation um, so if we can get a, a, an actual quality control measure in place, I think that would that would work really well. As I say, the rest of it, it it's all a little bit up to up to personal taste. But anyway, uh, and I think congratulations, boys, on using the word satiating um, the most number of times in a Bruce News podcast. We, uh, so well we 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 know how to talk good in Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> now speaking of satiating, I think one of the most satisfying things that I've seen is that um, more than two hundred brewers have joined the resilience beer efforts. As part of the local and international beer community's ongoing support for bushfire relief efforts in Australia, brewers the world over have joined forces in a fundraising brew. Resilience Beer is a project that arose in the wake of the unprecedented bushfires in Australia during late 2019, early 2020, um, and uh, looks to hopes to raise um, the forecast is for something around about $850,000 from uh, the brewers who have who have brewed a beer so far. We've already seen such incredible generosity from the craft beer community at the height of the fires, um, you know, with the number of tap takeovers, karma kegs, that to see this continue is is awesome. Hopefully, you know, the anticipated revenue will will, will match that. Um, and now I, I don't know whether it was under the resilience beer, but um, I know that Two Bays, for example, um, Two Bays, because a lot of anyone who has uh, gluten issues um, isn't able to participate in the 
um, regular resilience beer, but two bays have done a, a, a resilience beer or a, a certainly a fundraising equivalent um, to the resilience beer for people who are um, gluten intolerant. So certainly uh, if, if, if that's you or you've got an audience who are, in addition to stocking the gluten um, gluten containing resilience beer, two bays um, have, have got a gluten free one as well. Um, and I think Pete, uh, there are a couple of other beers that you're aware of. Yeah, there are. Um, I was lucky enough for, on the weekend to attend the Ballarat Beer Festival on the Friday night. Before the festival, we had our regular um, Gallagher's Insurance uh, Brewers Degustation Dinner, which was held this year at um, at Fed Uni. So we got uh, Chef Sean Donovan, who's reasonably well known around around the traps, uh, came up and worked with um, Chef Stephen from Fed Uni TAFE and the um, the culinary students there to to produce a, a magnificent five course meal matched with beers. And um, as part of the, a bit of a special treat, um, the guys at Hawkers who were approached by the Krishna O'Connell. Uh, morning breakfast show on Gold 104.3 to come up with a, you know, we, we, want to, we want to do something, we want to get a fundraiser out there um, and came up with, uh, the, I think the, the listeners voted Heroes Gold would be the name of the beer. So if you come up with, you know, the, uh, all the volunteers and everyone who's uh, come together to, to fight the fires and gold being obviously Gold 104. So they've come up with a, a beer. And what I didn't realise was that, uh, so we, we had the first the first case off the production line, which we auctioned for 300 bucks on the night. And a shout out to uh, to Mick, who's who's just great people. He's the uh, uh, the stage manager, I guess. He, he's the one who sort of looks after all the, the bands and everything backstage uh, at the Ballarat Beer Festival um, and comes along to the dinner every year. He uh, outbid me and a couple of others to... Uh, to, to take away the the first case that was signed by Mazen Hajar and uh, which lowered the re, you know, recommended retail value obviously and by Krishna O'Connell which brought it back up to recommended retail. But Mick Hulse was telling the story of um, that I didn't I wasn't aware of and this is just one of those great beer feel good stories. They said, well you know how, how much are we going to make? He said, well what we'll do is we'll pre sell it. So okay, well how much do you reckon? Well what's the smallest run that, you know, you guys can do? And, and Mick said, well, you know, well, let's, let's look at, you know, uh, 100 kegs and five, I think it was 550 cases. Uh, before, before the cutoff, they'd already pre-sold almost 1,000 uh, cases. So a second run of, uh, of Heroes Gold is, uh, is going to be coming out because BWS and Uncle Dan's obviously did the right thing and jumped on board and said, we'll, we'll uh, make sure that we, you know, buy it by the, by the pallet load to get it you know, uh, spread as far and wide as, as we can. So it's uh, it's one of those things that's um, really taken off. So well done to all involved there. Excellent. Now, uh, on the other side, uh, well, no, I suppose it is related because selling, um, Sydney's All Hands Brewery or Brew Pub sold for $20 million, Matt. Yeah, Pete, um, an interesting story that came out yesterday out, out of the blue. Now, You'll remember last year at the Australian International Beer Awards, uh, All Hands, which won a swag of medals. It was New South Wales champion brewer, New South Wales champion brew pub from memory. Um, yeah, and, and came out of nowhere. And it had a lot of people looking at each other going, who? Um, because I think before that they'd been Red Tape Brewery and before that had been the James Squire Brewery right down on the foreshore at Darling Harbour. Um you know, nice little brewery, couple of uh, great young brewers that are there. Um, Tim, who was the assistant brewer down there last year when they won, is now up at Brewdog um, in Brisbane. So, and, and you know, they're knocking out some good beers. And um, they've just sold to the 
Signature Group, the Signature Hospitality Group, which owns the Sporting Globe and TGI Fridays chains, as well as Foresters in Brisbane, which is a new um, venue just down in the valley, and WJ Wills in South Melbourne. Um, and they acquired it from Red Rock Leisure Group, owner of PJ O'Brien's Irish Pubs. So some, uh, I don't want to be too unkind, but you, you're not looking at highbrow venues um, between the you know the PJ O'Brien's and the TGI Fridays there. Get them in, get them loaded and get them out type event. Is that a, anyone else? Yeah, well, the, the Sporting Globe is certainly going big. There's a, uh, I used to do some beer dinners a while back in, in Ballarat um, at a pub that was, uh, you know, sort of renovated and done a beautiful old heritage place. Um, and they tried really hard to, to showcase particularly local independent brews. And then, yeah, 18 months later, it's a, it's a boom, sporting globe. Um, the same thing, you know, the Dragon Boat Chinese restaurant that my family uh, here in the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne uh, used to have all our family functions at, all of a sudden, you know, shuttered, um, closed down. One, you know, boom, overnight, and uh, it's it's now it's just reopened about a month ago or so as a as a sporting globe. So they're obviously aiming for, you know, penetration into the market, and similar, I guess, to the um, uh, now what's it called Oz Venue, Oz Venue Co, Co. Colonial. Um, yeah. So yeah. that yeah, looking at um, I, I guess being a a multi pronged business with um well we've got our own venues we've got restaurants but we've also got our own you know beer to service those venues so it's an interesting interesting model but yeah it's a little bit of musical chairs or supermarket turnstiles makes a lot of sense i mean if you've got your own production capabilities on site that you can sort of run and service your own you know not just that venue but multiple venues and do you know house lagers or a house pale ale or whatever you're obviously saving on you know third-party costs and whatever so makes sense in that from that well yeah it does make sense in, in for for this one i guess but when you look at oz venue co they bought hawthorne which was a contract brand anyway so they weren't they, they didn't need to inherit you know kit and plant and um staff and all that sort of thing um the opposite i think is true here they, they've bought the sydney venue but Matt, from memory, there's not a lot that not a lot of capacity out of there. So if they wanted to grow that, they would need to either build something else or or go the contract route as well. I think, wouldn't they? I understand already. The biggest beers from uh, those guys are brewed off site. Um, you know, their, their bigger sellers are already, I think, contracted by Rocks. Um, or cer- certainly, yeah, they don't have the capacity to to, to brew everything. So. It's, it's, a, it's a brew house, but it, it's something that we've talked about regularly uh, on the podcast, Pete, is that, I don't want to blow my own trumpet, but I think, you know, it's, it's three years ago I started talking about, um, are we going to start seeing hotels start to rebel against the um, brew pub model? Because you're not going to see a lot more taps entering the market, but people are increasingly swat- switching from big hotels to the experience of drinking craft beer in a, in a brewery that makes it. And it's that experiential element that I think is driving hospitality at the moment. The, the traditional old pub, because they're big, they became pokies venues. I think they lost track with what people wanted to go to a pub for. Um, and then you've also got the experience of sitting in amongst the tanks and drinking beer has really driven that. And I think these big hospitality groups, they, they love the margin that they make from their own beer. 
um, and it gives the consumer an experience to go in. You know, whether it's sitting in an Irish pub or if you're sitting in a little brew pub, it, it, it's a it's a big part of the experience. And I think um, you know we've even seen a lot of the production breweries that started hoping to wholesale increasingly looking at hospitality as being cash flow, consumer engagement, all of those things. Yeah, and I mean, they're a pub group, so they're really just buying a pub with a brewery attached. So in terms of running the thing, it's, you know, business as usual, plus you can, you know, brew your own beer on site. So, um, but I agree, the the experience of going to a microbrewery is different to just going to a pub. You know, you, you have a different level of connection to the product because it's made right over there and you can see where it's made. And I guess, uh, you know, people are switching on to that. And it's in the same way that if you bought a, you know, bought a bakery or, you know, anything else that produces on site, there's a different, I guess, offering to the market. It's not just another pub that you're buying and running. So maybe that's the approach as well. Yeah. And you touched on an interesting point there, Jimmy, in that I I think what I see, certainly in, in Melbourne, is that and I look at the really good venues, the good brew pubs that are doing it really well, are doing what the, as Matt suggested, um, you know, the ball that was dropped by the the local pub um, has been picked up by the by the the pub brewery or the you know the tap room. I think. Yeah, and it's probably the same reason that you know Carlton Giraffe are dropping in those thousand litre bright tanks in pubs and things like that, and you know the the new Four Pines site down in Coolangatta has got a little one or two uni tank, you know, set up there. I think people just, I think they acknowledge that people want to see some level of production on site, especially when it comes to beer. So I guess it's just offering or trying to keep up with the ever-changing market that wants, you know, craft beer and that experience. Yeah, because I think too, I think back to, you know, my days of going to pubs and that sort of thing, it was, it was generally for, for live music was probably our main um, reason. Uh a celebration, you know, friend's birthday or whatever it might be would, would have been the second. And the other would have been, you know, like significant sporting events, which I think now everyone's got a, a screen that's as big as the one down the pub in, in their lounge room so or their mate's lounge room. So, And you, you whack a, you know, a sound bar on that and you've got the experience that you would have had, you know, at, at, the, at the pub. So uh, perhaps they may need, need to look at, you know, altering their, um, their offering before, uh, you know, brew pubs sort of really well and truly take over. Anyway, now, I think that's pretty much covered the news, gents. I'm just having a quick squeeze through. Uh, anything else, as I say, pop over to australianbrewsnews.com.au um, and you can get all the rest of the stories that we haven't uh, covered, which brings us to the mailbag. We've got a little bit of mail, but before we do, Matt, interesting, um, iTunes. Yeah, just wanted to like it's something that we say as a standard in every podcast. You know, if you like what we do, um, so I just wanted to sort of make it a little bit more of a, a personal um, plea because it's the longer we do this, the more we realise that um, it's not just downloads that guide um, you know your positioning on the iTunes charts and things like that. It is actually whether people are you know taking the time to. You know, rate uh, you. You know, even just sort of leave a five star, you know, one star rating. Um, if if you think that's all we're worth, um, I can't work out why you'd be listening if it's a one star rating. But anyway, um, but whatever stars you give us, and even if you've got time to just sort of have a little bit of a comment about what you find uh, enjoyable or not, um, and particularly or not, because we do. You've noticed the evolution of what we've done over the years, and that's very much from the feedback that we get from our listeners, but. 
you know, you don't have to give us money, but if you can just give us a little bit of your time um, for this podcast that we put a lot of effort into doing and hopefully, uh, you know, makes a contribution to the uh, brewing industry, that really does, um, you know, it, it, it's it's the thing that determines whether or not uh, Apple puts us on their homepage, for example, um, which allows other people to find it. So it's not just one of those little trite sayings that we say, you know, give us a, um, help us out, give us a review. Um, it literally does help us, um, you know, cut through uh, some of the clutter on the millions of uh, podcasts that there are this year. So if you're listening, there's a link in, you know, if you're listening on your, on your phone, um, the podcast app that you have, uh, listening to has a little link in it saying rate and review you can click on that if you're an iphone sheep like i am um, it'll take you straight to the itunes review so you can uh, rate and review us there um, but otherwise yeah if you don't mind waiting your way through um, go to the website please take the time to do it because it really really does help us yeah, uh, we did get some reviews during the week or in the in the past month or so since we've um, done a bit of a, a recap. Uh, we got a five-star Apple podcast review by Agent Saint, who said, loving the pod makes working a breeze listening. And another one from, now it's a different Claire. It's not, a, I don't think it's. Yeah, it's it? our Claire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. is it? Oh, Claire Osbn. Okay, I get it now. Uh, regular listener and occasional contributor, Radio Brews News has the latest and most relevant news and interviews. Regularly updated and great hosts in Pete and Matt <laughs> and Jimmy and Claire, we should point out. But, yeah, so thank, thanks very much to all of those um, contributors and listeners who, who do give us a thing. As I say, it's more important for us that uh, if you like what we do and uh, want to share that, it's a review is a great way for other people to, to find out about us. Uh, but as I say, it's, I, I get a bit annoyed, Matt, that, you know, the way, you know, rankings work and all that. So I don't sort of tend to take too much notice um, of it because I, I think, again, it's a bit like beer itself. It's a, it's a little bit subjective, um, you know, and I don't think that, you know, the beer, the beer podcast that's number one is you know five times better than the one that's at number five or anything like that. Oh no, absolutely, and, and actually that, that's what I'll throw in, um, Pete. Because and again, like we've always promoted everyone else's podcasts, and the other thing is the the charts seem to be strictly about iTunes, and I don't want to lock you know I I don't want to lock us into iTunes because. I want people to be able to listen to it wherever they listen to it. And I listen to it on um, a little app called, I'll tell you what it is, Pocket Casts. Um, I use Overcast. Yeah, we're on Spotify. And none of those actually count. If you listen to us on one of the secondary apps, none of those actually count to our um, you know, iTunes ranking, which is where a lot of the rankings come from. So we want to make the podcast available to wherever. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a sad fact that, you know, winning medals, you, you, you do sort of want to win a medal if you're making a beer. And if you're a podcaster, you want to see yourself at the top because that is the way some people measure um, who they listen to. Exactly. And speaking, Matt, of both shout outs and reviews, uh, shout out to Ian McNally uh, at the, the Chosen Brew podcast for his chat with uh, John Boyle. I shared that in the Facebook group, and that was like it was. Mm. There are a lot of podcasts you listen to that you kick yourself, think, "Oh, geez, you know, that's a great podcast. I wish I'd done that because you know, it, you you want to constantly do better." And that was a podcast I just sort of think um, was just brilliant. So yeah, no, absolutely a um, a great podcast. I shared it in 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 the, the the group. Did you catch it, Jimmy? I've been off social media for. Few weeks. So. Oh, it's a podcast. Ian McNally spoke to an addictions expert okay. to sort of talk about, it. and it really, really um, 
open and honest talk about alcohol and addiction and dealing with it and yeah really really good to listen to um and mate i reckon that that podcast should have won a fair award for actually <laughs> fucking educating people about alcohol <laughs> rather than just uh doing it was you know that sort of thing so yeah if there's a I'll pass. i was lucky enough to yeah have a, a beer or three with uh with ian uh, along with Emily Day, Luke Robertson, and James Smith from the Crafty Pint, we were guests at uh, at Ale Stars last Tuesday night, uh, or Tuesday this week just gone. And uh, having a chat to Ian, I, I passed on our congratulations um, on it. And it was actually, as it turned out, that was also the um, the Lost podcast. That was the one. Uh, friends of, of Ian on on social media may have seen that he put out a bit of a a call for uh, anyone who could help retrieve data that seemed to have been eaten by an SD card and it was the the original uh, interview with, uh, with with John Boyle I'm glad that uh, we're not the only ones that have got great lost episodes that's it there's a well I'll tell you what Ian you you got nothing on us mate we have got a we've got a cutting room full of <laughs> with with it's got more flaws um, FLAWS as well as FLORS um, yeah cutting room floor stuff we've got plenty of it enough to make a Probably a series of episodes, but we've got we've got much better in the past. So keep that in mind when you're reviewing us. Ryan Fullerton in the Facebook group um, read the the pregnancy label, so relevant to to this episode. A lot of breweries I've worked with use digital printing for their labels. On the off chance their label doesn't already contain any red, so this is for the updating the pregnancy one. It won't cost them anything to change the design. If you're buying enough stock to warrant the setup cost of screen or plate printing, then the extra price per unit will be almost nothing. So that's that, that's a fair point from Ryan. And Ryan, um, he's just moved up your way actually. He's uh, up on the Gold Coast, and I can't remember the name. It's a, a newish brewery, but he's just moved. Uh, he's been down here at. Um, Clifton Hill Brew House, and before that, he was um, up in Ballarat. Nice. I'll hopefully uh, I'll catch up with Ryan for a bit. Mm. Now we should have pointed out too that um, all letter writers, including the ones we've just read out, so if and you did hear no those out, that review us on iTunes, exactly the reviews count as well. Uh, you're in the running for a, well, you get a Brews News bottle opener whether you like it or not, um, as long as you give us your address. But uh, all of those will go into the draw to win a mix six pack, thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel who sponsor our Letter of the Week. Uh, anything else to add, gentlemen? Uh, not for me. Just thanks to Jimmy for coming along and uh, jumping on this week, and uh, hopefully uh, we can get him back as a regular. Yeah, well, look, as I said, I'd like to have a bit of the you know, the opportunity to get Claire and uh, and Jimmy on, perhaps as co-hosts one week um, to get that sort of you know the voice of youth. <laughs> Let's not labour it too yeah. much, but it's it's just a variety of perspectives that we don't potentially reflect. Uh, the full spectrum of views in the industry, Pete. No, and look, it's handy too, Jimmy. Obviously, having you on um, with recent, you know, well, you know, contemporary um, hospitality experience as well, because that's something that's becoming increasingly important in the the hospitality world. Is is having that, uh, you know, you, more and more you're competing with with uh, you know new and shinier uh, openings, you know, left, right, and centre in, in in all our major capitals. And so it's 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 interesting to to follow how um, you know, breweries can, I guess, improve their their offering. Um, speaking of which, did you guys manage to catch up and have a bit of lunch recently up your way, Matt? Jimmy and I? Yeah. No, I've been in Where'd New you... Zealand running up mountains the last week. Ah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Jimmy oh, did. Sorry. How long was it on you did? Uh, 42 kilometres, but it was the elevation that was the uh, kicker. So, not, yeah. so not, a, not quite a full marathon. Uh, 42.2, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, you, you should have seen the train, Pete. It was around Christchurch. Let me just put it that way. Yeah. You did it on a train? 
God. That's cheating. Oh, terrain. Okay. Matt, um, now didn't you have lunch at Brewdog? Oh, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, no, Jimmy wasn't there. So, no, I was just oh, catching up with the, the, the team from Bintani were in town for their um, for the Fermentus. Oh, the Academy. The, the Fermentus Academy, Academy. Which is taking place today. And, uh, yeah, so they, they just stopped by there and had a um, – yeah, so it was, it was nice to – to, to go and check that out and I was driving so I had a couple of alcohol-free beers just to, you know, test. Ah, do tell. Because well, it's fair to say without, look, without creating a brand new segment, without any prompting and doing it spontaneously and candidly and off the cuff, um, creating, you know, Matt's soapbox as a separate segment, um, you haven't been exactly a, a champion of of, of uh, AF beers. Well, no, but I, I've been hearing big brewers talking about them for the last eight to 10 years and you know again I, i've not seen up until recently yeah, seen the true. sort of social change that and so yeah so I've, I've been expressing my doubts and concerns about them um and you know I'm, I'm sort of probably back on the fence a little bit more um again having spoken to jim i mean jim jim's sort of quite jim sees much more of a role for them um in the market um and he's seeing them served in his hospitality role than i am jim yeah i mean from a personal point of view, I, 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 I was probably in the same boat. I didn't really understand why you would have an alcohol-free beer when you could just have a water or a soft drink um, until sort of recently. I took my dad out for for lunch, for a sort of late Christmas lunch, and um, I wasn't drinking because I was in a training block for this race that I just did. And um, I had two alcohol-free beers, and it was nice to sort of share, share a beer with my dad and have lunch and still be able to drive and all that sort of stuff and I think in that moment I it kind of clicked um and I don't think don't think you would have got the same effect or just would have felt a bit different if you were drinking a soft drink or a coffee or a water so there's something about that sort of societal kind of comfort um point of view but also yeah just from working behind a bar I mean I think alcohol-free products you know you're usually pretty limited and just because you're not drinking doesn't mean you can't go out and have a good time and i think the effect of sitting there with a nice you know alcohol-free beer is a little bit more enjoyable than a just a water or 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 a soft drink and i would prefer to drink an alcohol-free beer than a soft drink at a at a bar um so yeah i i sell a lot uh we have um nanny state at the the bar i'm working at and um we probably do a case of it a week um which is, is nanny state alcohol free or uh, is that like point point oh five so i guess yeah okay close so it is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah um yeah and i mean people will have you know one or two per per visit so it's not the kind of thing that you're gonna you know i, I would never buy an alcohol free I would never buy a six pack of alcohol free beer and take it home because that doesn't make sense. But for me, the bit that I see it fitting into to the beer landscape is in venues where it is, you know, you've got a group of people and it's that very, uh, you know, probably primitive kind of lizard brain pack mentality where you want to, <laughs> you know, you don't want to be the, the yeah. outlier. So, and yeah. I, I mean, I see it. You see it in, especially in sort of corporate uh, groups where there's six, eight, ten people and they're all you know that you're, you're sort of doing the corporate thing and it's definitely a sort of hierarchy and whatnot and the moment you sit down with a you know a schooner of coke or you know whatever soft drink yeah um, something that's obviously not a beer exactly yeah. you become sort of a point of ridicule it's the same with 
same with like vegan food, right? At a, at a restaurant. So if you sit down and everyone's having a burger and you're sitting there with a token salad, you know, everyone's going to, you, you're ripe for ridicule. But if you can sit there with a vegan burger with everyone else, no one's even going to question it. So I think it is that kind of fitting in. Well, except uh, a vegan's going to tell you that they're having the vegan burger. Yeah, right. I'll be the token <laughs> vegan and the token health guy. But, yeah, uh, too, didn't you? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I think that's definitely, and they they can taste really good. I mean, the the few that I've had have tasted really good, and you know, um, you can tell you're not drinking a five six percent beer, but in terms of the experience of ordering and reading the ingredients and and cracking it, putting it in a nice glass, and you know, pairing it with with food, that's it's all the same. So I think it's definitely, I, I think it's a category that's going to grow and grow. Um, yeah, I'm I'm watching it with um, with interest because as at the uh, again at the brewers degustation dinner for the Ballarat Beer Festival, we introduced uh, without telling anyone what it was uh, the uh, Dayton's New Age IPA, which is a 0.9 percent IPA. Um, we gave it again. Uh, Kiralee and I do um, uh, masterclasses at the as part of the the Ballarat Festival, and um, just poured some for for the punters as they walked in while we were, you know, getting set up and then later on told them, yeah, you know, that first beer you had there, it was an IPA. It was 0.9%. And all of them, no, no, wanted to see the can, you know. So it's interesting that um, what you're talking about, Jimmy, is that it's not a, it's not a case of, you know, trying to reinvent the wheel or, or, or whatever. It's just venues offering an alternative to the designated driver, for example, or, or you know, the, the person who for whatever reason is not drinking at that time. I, I, I used to do the same thing with Rogers beer, you know, as a mid-strength that had much more flavour than you expected. Flavour, yeah. But um, the, the other uh, person who I spoke to this week about it was David Kitchen from Ballistic Brewing, who regular listener of the, the, the podcast, and he took me to task when we caught up during the week saying, oh, I want to disagree with you about alcohol-free beers. He was apparently doing some hard uh, yard work um, last weekend and he just said, you know, he didn't want alcohol, but he did, you know, it was beer that satisfied him. So picking up exactly what Jimmy was saying. So, you know, there is absolutely a use case beyond what my own experience suggested there might be. But again, you know, I, I think that the people who say it's going to be 10, 15, 20% of the market, you know, if it's a case of, you know, eight people sitting in a, in a bar, one of them's drinking them, so you're not missing out, you know, the other thing I found is I drank it much more slowly because without that alcohol kick, you're just drinking it the way that, you know, like when you're having a glass of water, you drink water much more slowly than you tend to drink beer. You drink soft drink much more slowly than you tend to drink beer. Um, so, yeah, so I still don't think it's going to be monumental. It's not going to revolutionize the industry, but there is certainly a much wider use case um, than I initially expected. Yeah, and we probably sell more of that alcohol free beer per week than we do of a lot of other SKUs in the fridge, which is interesting too. So again, yeah, it's not going to be 50% of what we sell, but it's definitely selling well. And but is that because you've only got one alcohol-free beer? So anyone that wants an alcohol, whereas anyone who wants um, something that's not on the tap is dividing it between the 15, 20? Yeah, absolutely. But the fact that we're selling that, I mean, I, I even think three, four years ago, we wouldn't have sold any. And now it seems to be coming around. Maybe it's because there's more sort of craft brewers throwing their hat in the ring, actually brewing them, and they taste pretty good. So, mm. yeah, that's probably got something to do with it. But, um, yeah. And, and that's the thing I'll give the Punk AF that, that I had. You know, like, you do get that um, fuller mouthfeel from, you know, I think it's lactose or you know, however they sort of just fill out the body um, with, with the alcohol missing. Um, 
you do get it, but again, the, the the hop character in it is beautiful. You don't it's it's balanced, and so yeah, they're, they're still doing it quite well. It always uh, interesting to see, and as I say, it's just a, it's a, it's another crayon in the box from which we can choose. Um, thank you very much to Cry Malt, to Rowling's label Stickers and Packaging, and to Beer Cartel for making all of this possible. Thanks very much to you, Jimmy, for joining us. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Pete. As always, looking forward to you getting up here for the uh, um, Beer Royal uh, Queensland Beer Awards. Beer Awards. Yeah. Yeah, I'll see you this this time next week. I'll be uh, I'll be uh, in Bruce Vegas, which will be um, looking forward to it. Um, I think the entries for this year's Queensland Beer Awards are up by about twenty percent, so we've got uh, quite a few more entries and uh, quite a few new entrants, which is great. Uh, great to see, and uh, and then there's also anyone who's listening in Queensland. Um, they have the Kingdom of Beers Beer Festival, so you're going to be able to try some of the best exhibitors from from the awards. Um, and it's a you know just a great little um, festival. It, and look. Festivals are very hard for brewers, and with so many festivals, punters can't get to all of them. I said punters, Pete, I'm sorry. Um, but this is a festival that's really trying to be sustainable for brewers and also for um, consumers. So it's a great value festival for the consumer, and it works out really well for the brewers. So uh, yeah. get on down. And I think it's only about 15 bucks to get in. Something like that. So it's, uh, it's, it's a nominal, nominal sort of ticket price, and then you can go around. And as I say, there's the uh, there'll be there'll be beers by that stage. The um the the medalists and the and the trophy winners will have been announced. You'll have access to to those. I think there's about twenty Queensland breweries are participating in the in the festival, and it's the yeah. So it's the Saturday after. Um. So uh, judging finishes on Wednesday the fifth. So it'll be the eighth, I think. Does that sound right? Saturday the 8th? Uh, sounds at the show, right. At, but at the showgrounds. Link in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes. So right next get along to there. the Rate right. and Review Us link. That's it. So uh, do do get out there and um, and support your local brewery. All right, thanks very much, guys. Thank you, Pete. Uh, again, as I do each week, I reserve my most heartfelt thanks to all of you for listening to this. Um, and we'll see you all again for the next episode of Brews News Week. And we're out. Boom. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. <laughs> <laughs>